Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Lighthearted. My name is Anna. And my name is Bracey, and we're two average gals chatting about what it means to grow. How are you growing this week? I am growing by doing more creative things during the day, Mm -hmm. which was something that I was thinking about. Obviously not a New Year's resolution, but I was like, okay, this year it's going to be my art year. We're going to do stuff. And so I'm actually doing that, which I know we talked about. I was sick. Stuff was gone. It wasn't feasible for the first half of January, but I painted our front door. I'm not finished with that. And I did a little bit of painting in the office today. And yeah, so we're off to a good start. When you are painting something and you're just like not painting a door or a room or something, but you're when you're making some of your art, are you going into it with like, here's what I'm going to paint? Like, do you have an idea or do you feel like you get into it and you just see where it takes you? Both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is something, it's like a sticky point with me because I want to paint more like art, art. But I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. like imposter syndrome. So today when I did it, I was like, I'm just going to go into this and like play around and it doesn't have to look good. That's what I literally have to tell myself. It doesn't have to look good. And if it does look good, great. And if not, this was practice. It's not the end of the world. I'm not framing it like it's fine. But sometimes I know what I want to do. Like this is just an idea, but I might do a floor cloth for our kitchen, which is basically like a rug that's painted kind of. And so I have a rough idea of what I would like that to look like. So I'll go into that one with an idea. So it just kind of depends. What kind of material do you use with that? Well, you can do it with canvas. I think I actually am going to try it with drop cloth. Okay. So you just have to finish the edges. I remember I I actually bought the supplies like years ago to do it and then never did it. So now I have to like go back and do the research again about Mm -hmm. how to do it because I had already done that and I it's left Mm -hmm. my brain now. So Delaney took it whenever you were pregnant. Yeah, it's gone. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's cool. I also am really excited because we booked a trip to Cancun. (gasps) Oh, my gosh, you did? That is yeah. so funny because I feel like on the last episode, you're like, yeah, we're not going anywhere this winter. I don't know. Mm-hmm. How it's well, we're that. actually, it's not till April. Okay. So it's a little spring. Set. So it's Q2. It's not really, I wouldn't consider it one of our like classic warm weather trips, mm-hmm. but we're getting to the point where we're starting to talk about having another baby. And I was like, we haven't been anywhere. That's just like a fun vacation mm-hmm. in a while. Mm-hmm. Like just a relaxing whatever. So I was like, let's do that before we commit to any any large life changes again. Oh my gosh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. It's like five days, I think. And um, yeah, I'm very Is this going to be child-free or are you taking baby with you? Oh, yeah. Okay. No, child-free. As long as we can wrangle the babysitters. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got a strong lineup, so... We do. We have a great lineup, which is wonderful. Yeah. Because it, it will make it easier for me and not to worry. Yeah, totally. Oh, I'm so excited. And something to look forward to that even if you're having some bad days in this cold weather, you're like, you know what? I just got to hang on a little bit longer. I got to get to Cancun. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. How are you growing? Well, I am actually doing a little bit of art myself. I Really? Yes. I can't remember which episode I mentioned this in, but I asked for paint by numbers for Christmas and I got mm-hmm. one. And holy cow, this is going to take me probably until April <laughs> to finish. <laughs> Maybe by the time you get back from Cancun, I'll be done. We'll see. They're a little tedious. Yeah. 
They really, really are. And it's kind of big. It's a 16 by 20. And mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that is big. It's been really fun though. Like in very relaxing. I enjoy doing it, but it's hysterical because I'll be painting for like an hour and I'm like, what did I even paint? Like, <laughs> it feels like I'd have done very little on this. So I think in total, I've probably spent three to four hours on it so far. Yeah. And I'm not even anywhere close to being done. And some of the colors, I'm going to have to go back and do a second coat. But I think that'll be faster. Yeah, it will. That's great. I know that in t- my intent was to have something that doesn't involve screens. But I have been watching Boy Meets World as I paint. And it's been nice. I'm really enjoying it. That is nice. Were you a Boy Meets World girl? Yes, I watched it some. I wasn't like obsessed with it or anything, but I watched it sometimes. What about Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm I'm just trying to get a feel for your TGI Friday. What was that channel that those were on? I think it was on ABC. Yeah. Well, I mostly watched the reruns. I think we've talked about that. You were like, mm. a, you you watched them when they came out. That's I, right. That's I, right. I only watched the reruns. Okay, yeah. Also, Taylor has never watched Boy Meets World, and so he's been watching oh. some with me. He can't stand Corey. He's like, why is he the main character? <laughs> 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 but it holds up. I'm having a great time. Really? That's great. Mm-hmm. We've got to find a new show that we can watch when Delaney is in the room which mm. is kind of a tall ask we had been w- watching hometown okay which i love hometown and i've tried a couple of other design shows that are on max but mm-hmm. haven't found anything that's really hitting the spot yeah. so we'll see okay all right well maybe you can go to disney plus and do some little some rewatches yeah that's probably a good idea all right so today we're talking about being overstressed and overfunctioning, And this is one that you've been wanting to talk about for a while. Yeah, because once I figured out that overfunctioning is like a stress response, I was like, oh, that's exactly what I do. Yeah. It was spot on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, tell us more about what your stress response looks like. Okay, so especially when there's like an event that happens that is stress-inducing. So a good example is Seb lost his job mm-hmm. in what was it, April of last year? He got yeah. laid off. So even though we had three months of severance, it's still a scary situation to be in, right? 100%. So instead of like, I don't know. I don't know what a proper response is, but I was like, okay, we're going to do this and this and this and this, and I'm going to keep it all together for mm-hmm. everybody, and it's going to be fine. I immediately went to, it's going to be fine, and here's why. I just jump right in. Yeah. And... That's not always healthy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. It's like if I can do enough to mitigate the damage or or like mitigate the stress, then that like makes me feel in control when I'm not actually in control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was just thinking that that all is our brains trying to calm us down into being like, yeah, you got this. (laughs) You're totally in control of the situation, even though, yeah, like you said, we're really not. Yeah. What does your stress response look like? I would say it's pretty similar. It's kind of one of two things. I feel like one stress response is what you're saying, like jumping into action and figuring out how I'm going to make this okay. And yeah, like not just for me, but how am I going to make it be okay for everybody, which is just like a natural tendency that I have as a people pleaser, I think. So it means that I'm thinking about it constantly. I'm running through lots Mm -hmm. of scenarios. I'm 
going down a lot of different paths of like, okay, what if we did this, this, and this? Like maybe we'd be here. What if we do this, this, and this? We'd be over here. I'll think things through and then I'll get to the point of like, it doesn't really matter because I don't actually know what's going to happen. So maybe all this thinking is pointless. I'm still going to do it, but (laughs) it's probably, I don't know how much it's helping. Or my other stress response is really dissociating. Yeah, I do that too sometimes. Yeah. So I feel like it's one or the other. I almost think that the overfunctioning comes when there is like a very delineated stressor, like a very Mm -hmm. obvious stressor, like this thing happened and now I have to fix it. Mm -hmm. Whereas the the dissociating and the uh, honestly, it might be under functioning in that point, the avoidance, the Mm -hmm. like zoning out or whatever that I feel like happens to me more often if it's like an elongated period of stress. It's Mm -hmm. like my body can no longer perform at the overfunctioning level it was. So now I'm just going to like kind of shut down. Yeah, totally. I also too, in a stress response, I feel like it causes me to feel stressed about lots of other things that I really don't need to be (laughs) stressing about. But it's like my brain can so easily spiral into Mm -hmm. like, yeah, and this is wrong. I don't like this either. Now and I'm feeling bad about myself. I can't compartmentalize it to like just that. I feel like my stress bleeds into like every part of my life. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like mine spreads a little bit, but it's not like I'm stressed in this one area, so I become stressed in this other area. It's like I'm stressed in this one area, so I'm just going to use all of this extra energy it feels like I have to like do a bunch of other stuff. So an example of that is that when Delaney was born, I don't think our house has ever been cleaner for like the first three months. I was like, I can't handle the kitchen being dirty. It needs to be clean. Yeah. And like little stuff like that. So yeah. That makes it's sense. not that I was stressed about it. It was just like, I just, I can't look at this kitchen being dirty. Uh-huh. So I'm going to fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the fixing, the fixing like goes to every area. I'm going to optimize everything in my life because this one area is out of control. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get that. Are there places in your life currently or in the past, I mean, you've mentioned a couple things, but that you feel like you're overstressed or overfunctioning? I think that I have a tendency to overfunction often in personal relationships mm-hmm. and I'm working on it. So if Seb is ever stressed about something or having really any negative emotion, I kind of go into like, this is a problem and I have to fix it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the holidays for him are the last few years have been very stressful. I think we both get overstimulated kind of easily and, This year, he was just like, I just feel like we have done so much. And he just ended up really burnt out and Mm -hmm. done. And he was assessing some things in our life. And he was like, I feel like we just maybe need to do this differently. And I was like, I hear you. This is this is normally where I'd be like, let me fix it. You're having a problem. You feel like this, these things are wrong. Let's do something about it right now. And instead, I said, okay, I think you're stressed out. I, ha- I feel like I should fix it and I, I don't want to ignore what you're saying, but how about we talk about it after you get back from your trip in January? Yeah. We'll like reassess when you get back from your trip. And he was like, okay, okay. I think he felt heard and I didn't feel like I had to like go into overdrive to like change things. Mm-hmm. And when I followed up with him, he was like, oh no, I feel fine now. It's <laughs> like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, So I wouldn't say that's like a 
currently, but it's something that I am going to have to continue to practice because it is something that in personal relationships, if somebody else is having a hard time, I go into overfunctioning easily. Mm -hmm. What about you? Definitely work. Although maybe Mm -hmm. turning a little bit of a corner there. But yeah, definitely over-functioning at work, I feel like, all the time or <laughs> overstressed. And I've thought about this a lot since you brought it up. I don't remember what episode we talked about it in, but about urgency culture. Mm-hmm. And I think about it a lot, actually, at work. Like, I'll find myself there and I'm like, oh, this is me being a part of the urgency culture, like Bracey pointed out. And I would say this isn't something I'm always doing, I don't think, but probably over-functioning in friendships because I'm so conscious of Mm -hmm. people are mad or if I'm being a good enough friend or whatever. And I think I talked to Taylor a little bit about this before we got on and he was like, you will sacrifice yourself in any way to (laughs) make sure that everybody else is okay and everybody's good and nobody's mad or whatever. So even if you're not doing well yourself or you need to be spending extra time, you know, relaxing or whatever. You won't because you want to make sure all these other things are covered. I mean, yes, that's so true. <laughs> and heaven forbid somebody is actually having some feelings because then you're just going to no, pros- bless. <laughs> you're just going to lay at their feet because yeah, because you feel like you have to fix it. Like yeah, it's your fault. 100%. Yeah. And actually, maybe we should talk a little bit more about what exactly overfunctioning is. That's probably a good idea. I had saved a couple of things when I first learned about overfunctioning in general. One of them, this is interesting. Do you have a hard time with feeling selfish? Like, do you ever feel selfish or like feel bad about putting yourself first? I don't know. I don't know that that's a word that I use a lot in my head that I'm like, oh, am I being selfish right now? Like, I don't know that I think about it. Do you think it's possible that that's because you would never put yourself in front of another person? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Okay, well, this one post says the overfunctioning woman was once a little girl who didn't get to be inherently selfish. Mm. You were conditioned to consider others' feelings and needs over your own as a powerful survival strategy for keeping the peace. It talks about how... You know, as children, like developmentally, children should be selfish. They shouldn't be thinking about others first. Mm -hmm. And that that type of childhood leads to a woman who believes that putting myself first is selfish and selfish is bad. Mm -hmm. And then what happens, I think, is that an overfunctioning person tends to attract an underfunctioning partner. Which is interesting. I don't think that that's something that I've ever experienced. So maybe my overfunctioning isn't like super bad. I don't know. Yeah. Overfunctioning is needing to lead and be in charge during a crisis, conflict, or project, struggling to delegate because you don't trust others to follow through or handle it as well as you, getting more amped up and taking action as a result of stress, not being able to rest, sleep, or slow down, taking over or completing other people's tasks or responsibilities, not saying no, canceling plans or pushing back even when they're burnt out, rescuing or overly taking care of others, like rechecking their their work or taking tasks off their plate. So that's overfunctioning. And then underfunctioning is getting overwhelmed and shutting down, being perceived as flaky or irresponsible because your go-to is to cancel and push back tasks and plans due to stress, waiting for people to jump in and take control of a situation, being dependent on others for advice, reminders, 
plans or getting up on time, avoiding tasks and allowing things to pile up or wanting to check out, zone out, numb or ignoring things as a way of coping. So underfunctioning partners work well with overfunctioning partners because they can rely on them to do the things sure. that they're not able to do for themselves. Of course. The step is not underfunctioning. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not. But I still think that I fall into that overfunctioning in stress, but mm-hmm. hopefully not all of the time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would say Taylor is not underfunctioning, but then, yeah, there are definitely times when he is, or he's talked about his anxiety and depression on here in the in some of the boys' episodes. And so I'm like, if there are spouts of that, or if he's really stressed at work, he overfunctions at work and he will like kind of hyper focus mm-hmm. on that. And so then I'll stress about the other stuff that like he's not taking care of that he normally would if he was in a better place mentally. So then I think that causes me to overfunction in doing my work and the things that I need to do around the house or whatever, but then also taking on what he normally would do because it still needs to get done. So I think if he's in a down place, then I shoulder more of just our day to day life stuff that has to happen the mental load increases for me. Yeah. Which, I mean, to some extent in a couple, I think that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. What I'm thinking now that you're saying this is that perhaps over-functioning partners do more than they ought to in those types of situations. Mm-hmm. I could see that being true for myself. It's like, okay, Seb is stressed at work. That sucks. He's doing less around the house because he doesn't have the bandwidth. That's mm-hmm. totally reasonable. And like, Maybe some of these things can slide for a little while. Like, I don't actually have to make up 100% of what he's not doing. I could just do the bare bare minimum and we can reassess, you know, if this situation doesn't resolve. Yeah. That seems like it might be a pattern in overfunctioners. Like, we can't tolerate things not being done Mm -hmm. the way we want them to be. Mm-hmm. yeah or like <laughs> we can handle curious. this don't you worry <laughs> yeah that's exactly it it's like don't worry I've got this it's like the crisis solvers in us yeah 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 and it's true and actually before I got on this call I was talking to Seb about it too and in his situation with the postpartum depression I actually think that my overfunctioning is the only way that we operated like we would have fallen apart without it totally so I think it is helpful it's very helpful yeah. in that scenario, but I also think that I w- was depleted after an extended amount of time doing that. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it got it got us through and also I had to like rest significantly afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It honestly, it's almost like, it's like going into survival mode in some ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The problem for me is that I do too much. Like I over overcompensate. Mm-hmm. So like January of last year was really hard for us because of his postpartum depression. And then February was starting to get better. And in March we went to Palm Springs, which was a big thing with a five month old, mm-hmm. however old she was. Mm-hmm. And then he got laid off. And in the middle of all of that, I decided to start an Etsy store and do the light cards club with, with everybody here. Which, great idea, but, like, horrible timing. Yeah. Why did I decide that that was a good idea? Yeah. So that's the kind of thing, like, I think that the overfunctioning makes me do even more than I need to do. Yeah. And that's the problem. It's, like, I just got to find the line of, like, this is helpful up until a point, and where is that line? Yeah. Do you feel like there's an element of overfunctioning where you're trying to prove something to yourself? Where it's like, you know what? I actually don't need anybody. 
I actually, I can take care of all of this by myself. Not for me, I don't think. Okay. I really honestly think that it's a little, like, it's in my identity, like, I'm capable. And so I know that I can do it. So I don't feel like I have to prove anything to anybody. Mm -hmm. But I think it makes sense that somebody might feel that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Watch me. Especially, I think, in a relationship where maybe you're a little resentful of your partner not being as functional as you are, which, to be honest, is, like, not fair to expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. If they're functioning normally and not under-functioning, then I don't think you can be mad. But I could see an over-functioner being like, you're not doing anything and watch me do it all. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do it. Yeah, totally. And you cannot complain about any of this because I've done everything. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe it's not like I'm trying to prove something, but it's so hard for me to ask for help that maybe I'm like, there's a piece of it in me that's like, you don't need to ask for help. Like you can do it. Look, watch yourself oh, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. That to me sounds like you're trying to convince yourself to not have to ask for help. It's like of a course. good excuse to not have to ask for help. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm like, me? Be vulnerable? No. <laughs> Let me just do, I'll just take care of it. It's all good. Yeah. That's... Oh, that's great. Yep. Okay, well, here's your reminder, you and everybody (laughs) listening. It's okay to ask for help, especially the people who don't have this hang up are like, yeah, ask me for help. Who cares? If I can't do it, I'll say no. I mean, Seb has that same problem. He has a horribly hard time asking for help, which is crazy to me because I'm just like, I'm here to help you. We have got to get on the pod together to do our our Enneagram really soon. We need to schedule that because I'm like, oh, is that a one thing? Like, not being able to ask for help. Is it a redhead thing? Like what, what is it? You know? Oh man. I think it could be. Yeah. Because that perfectionist tendency says that if I do things incorrectly or whatever, I'm like a bad person. Yeah. And I think maybe if you associate asking for help as being like somehow a deficiency, which Mm -hmm. I think that's something that Seb feels like he shouldn't have to need help. Yeah. Then, yeah, that seems like it could be right there in, in the one category, but we'll have to do a little research <laughs> on it. Yeah. I do think that this overfunctioner thing tends to be women and the underfunctioning tends to be men. Hundred percent. You know, of course. Unfortunate yeah. Unfortunate for everybody. Totally. Yeah. Well, we're just socialized from, from the get-go. Yeah. And I think a lot of women feel like, well, if I don't do it, it literally won't get done. Yeah. Which is possible. I mean, yeah, depending on your relationship, then that definitely (laughs) could be the case. And probably is in a lot of at least like heteronormative relationships. Yeah. I think though, just like with kids, you have to let people experience the consequences of their own actions. Mm -hmm. You didn't sign yourself up for something by the date and now you can't do it. Like that sucks, but that's on you. Yeah, totally. Do you think there have been time periods in your life where you have ever underfunctioned or oh yeah what's your tendency I mean I think I definitely can do the like zoning out numbing thing Mm -hmm. and when I was having a lot of my like health stuff that was definitely happening some totally which in that case it's like is that even under functioning I think it was under functioning in that I I don't know it's hard to know now because Back then, I didn't know about mental load and like how much of that res- is like actually a responsibility of a household. But mm-hmm. physically, I was doing 
so much less for the household than Seb. Yeah. So I always felt like it was not balanced. Mm-hmm. So I think just in that way, your underfunctioning sh- shouldn't have to impact your partner. At least, well, I don't know. That's hard. Because like, what if you have a chronic illness? These are all tough questions. Yeah. But yeah, I think in that scenario, my stress response, really physical illness stress response mm-hmm. was to avoid numb out those types of things. Yeah. I will say, I don't think I've, I've ever been the type of person that like waits for somebody else to jump in and like fix a situation. Totally. I don't need anybody to be the ringleader for me, I would say. Mm-hmm. What about you? Have you ever underfunctioned? Oh, yeah, certainly. I feel like mine is primarily numbing and like dissociating from whatever is happening and just trying to like disengage from as many things as possible, but mostly myself. That's a tough one because mm-hmm. I feel like there's not a lot of rest happening. Like, mm-hmm. and that's a symptom of overfunctioning that I read too. It's like you're unable to relax and rest. And mm. that I definitely feel that. Yeah. Like it's not possible for my body to just like chill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if it is, it's a hundred percent for me anyway. I'm either can't be relaxing if our like house doesn't look good or if my skin isn't looking good or whatever, I'll overstress about all the things or I'm 100% down for the count. And I was thinking too, part of my, at least a sign of my overstressed, overfunctioning is probably my migraines. Mm. I think my stuff is shows up physically. And so I'm like, oh, it's like my skin is having a hard time or I'm getting migraines or whatever. So it's like my body is forcing me to rest, but not in a way that is like restful because I don't feel good. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. One of the, actually, I was talking to a friend the other day about getting places on time, actually. Hmm. And I was saying that if I'm ever late to something, it's usually because I was trying to do like one more thing. Like, oh, I can get this one thing done before I leave, Uh which I actually think might be a sign of overfunctioning too. Probably, yeah. And yeah, I have that habit sometimes of like, oh, I'm doing these five other things. So like, let me just do one more thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe I should not. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I feel like after this conversation, we're going to go about our next couple weeks and I'll probably notice other things that I'm doing that I'm like, oh, this is probably overfunctioning. Yeah. Which honestly, I think is a good thing because then you're like, oh, let me pull back next time I try to do that. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I'm really grateful that I learned about this concept because I think because of the beginning of last year... I am now much more conscious of our stress levels, our level of commitments we have going on. And I think what's happening is I'm creating systems for us to handle that and not Mm -hmm. get into bad situations. So like one of the things that was hard over the holiday season was we had six weekends in a row that we had commitments, um, like events or Mm -hmm. family Christmas or whatever. And I looked back at our calendar for the year and I was trying to think about like what worked and what didn't. And I was like, okay, we need one weekend every three weekends that we basically do nothing. We need to not have any major commitments for once every three weeks. Mm -hmm. So now going into 2024, that's what I'm thinking about when I'm scheduling things. We've already got a couple of trips on the calendar, even though I said our New Year's (laughs) thing that I would, I've, I'm rested enough to feel like I can travel again. So that's good news. And Um, like, you're going to Cancun. 
I'm going to Cancun and also we're going to the beach at the beginning of April. So I've already booked two trips. Mm-hmm. Anyways, <laughs> but I was like, you know, now I'm looking at our calendar that way so I can actually plan things. And mm-hmm. I think that will make it easier for me to say no, because I know what happens when we when I don't say no and yeah. it's not good. Yeah. I enjoy systems like that. Yeah. So that was a fun takeaway for me. Well, and that sounds like a way that you are coping with your overfunctioning tendencies. Yes. And getting out of that space is you're like, <laughs> let me create these systems so that I don't fall into this habit that I've developed over probably your entire life. 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, there's probably other ways that I'll need to cope, but that is the scheduling. And then the other thing that I can think of is that, like my example with Seb being stressed out and me not jumping in to fix it, mm-hmm. taking space in between my recognizing that there could be a problem and actually trying to fix it, I think just gives me a little breathing room to be like, I'm not going to just overreact here. I'm going to react appropriately, which hopefully will help. Yeah. Still a practice for sure. Yeah. What about you? How do you cope? I don't know that I do. I feel like my coping is that I'm like, all right, I need a day. It's a do nothing day, I guess, or like a do nothing Mm -hmm. weekend that I just need like a hard reset. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's like my only one that I can really think of that I actually do. I mean, that is a good one for longevity purposes. But yeah. Maybe you can figure out a way to like introduce a little bit of that more often so that you don't get to the place where you like are dying for a do nothing day. Yeah, totally. And when in a therapy appointment, like probably a month ago now, when I was talking about how I'd been really sick a lot of my winter break and how annoying that was and she was like, yeah, there's tons of research that shows that this happens to people, especially people that work in education. Like you go, 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 and you're so stressed. And then when your body finally relaxes, it's like, oh, hey, here's all the sickness I've been holding on, but your stress levels are so high that I haven't let it out yet or whatever. Yeah. Whatever the science is behind that. I'm sure that's not exactly quite accurate, but she was like, maybe you need to use all this sick time that you have and like take a day once a month or something like doing something to try to like mitigate that burnout that happens so that then when I do have a break, then I can just like have fun or do relaxing things instead of like feeling sick. And that's not really restful when you don't feel good. That honestly is a great idea. It's something similar to what Seb and I have talked about doing for this year. We haven't actually booked it yet, but Mm -hmm. I was thinking about possibly for him to take two days because he has unlimited PTO. So it gets weird. I, you know, that phenomenon of like yeah. when people have unlimited PTO, sometimes they actually take less yeah. than if they had two weeks or three weeks or whatever. Right. Right. So I feel like he, I don't, I didn't do the numbers for last year, but I don't feel like he actually took that much time off mm-hmm. in the six months he was working there. But I was thinking moving forward, it might be nice if he took off two days a quarter, one for him to have a day where he just does whatever he wants Mm -hmm. and one for me to have a day where I just do whatever I want. Sounds lovely. So then we both get a day off because, I mean, the hard part of being a stay-at-home parent is that I can't just call out of work. It's not possible. So I was like, this could be a a way because one thing that I have discovered is that when Seb does feel bad and like if he's like, I'm going to take the morning off. It makes me feel resentful because I'm like, I can't do that. Yeah. That must be nice, which, yeah. you know, when you feel resentment, it's like, well, you're missing yeah. something that you need. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I think this might be a good way to like get ahead of that mm-hmm. if I can have a day where I'm just like doing what, whatever. Yeah, I 
think it's a great idea. We'll see if we actually do it. It's like, an, it sounds nice. And also it's probably not something that we'll prioritize. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that taking a day off is something that you might consider? Maybe. I. <laughs> the problem is that if I taking a day off when I don't really need it, like if I'm not actually sick, it's just, it's even though I'm in the mental health field, it's so hard for me to take a mental health day because I'm like, I'm just going <laughs> to stress about causing more work for other people or situations coming up and they need my help. I think I need to work through that part before I could actually take a day and not feel like a big old a-hole. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I was actually thinking about this when you were talking about it earlier. Mm -hmm. When you take a day off and it causes somebody else to have a harder day, that's not your fault. It's the system's fault. It is the fact that the the school system and honestly, all of our systems in America are set up such that a person can't just take a day off, which they ought to be able to do without any whatever. Yeah, without hiccups. Yeah, that's true. So don't think about it as this person might be mad at me because I'm causing them extra work. Think about it as the system is effed up and I like I need to take this mental health day to practice what I preach because I'm in mental health. I'm like, you guys should totally take days off. Don't get burned out. Take your time. Mental is important. And I'm like, I won't, but you totally should. Pretend like you're talking to a friend yes. and do it for yourself. Yeah. No, I, I definitely should. So yeah, maybe something to continue talking about in therapy about why I don't feel like I can do that. I don't I think that would be great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> All right. I do have a couple of tips for underfunctioners and overfunctioners. Okay, so let's do underfunctioners first. Okay. Practice taking small action. If you feel overwhelmed by a task, break it up into the smallest goal possible, which I actually do this all the time. I think it's a really helpful tip for anybody who has a task that they really just don't want to do and mm-hmm. like it piles up. Mm-hmm. I've always done this for the kitchen cleaning. So like I never make myself do a whole kitchen at one time. Mm -hmm. I will wash a couple of dishes. I basically spend like five to 10 minutes doing something. And if I don't feel like finishing it, I just don't. I'll come back to it later. And what typically happens is I do more work than I would have thought of going into it. Yeah. And I actually realized that I'm struggling with the task of putting my laundry away So I've decided what I'm going to do moving forward is just put one, when I fold my laundry, I sort it into like the drawers that it goes into. So every night before bed, I'm going to put one drawer's worth of clothes away. And then if I put more away, great. But if not, then I at least chipped away at it. Yeah. I do this with timers. Like if I don't want to clean the kitchen, which I almost never want to clean the kitchen, I will just set a timer for like 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And I'm like, okay, when the timer goes off, like I'm just going to be done and whatever I got done. Great. Yeah, perfect. So this is not just for underfunctioners, but yeah, definitely good if you are an underfunctioner. Okay, next one is practice keeping small promises to yourself so you can start to trust yourself. Lean on others for support and accountability. Recognize how you feel when you get one thing done versus avoid. When you slip and fall back into underfunctioning, be compassionate and kind towards yourself. Beating yourself up will only make you want to avoid and zone out more. Start your day with the simplest and easiest task. I also think that last one's a good one too for anybody. Yeah, totally. Getting something done first thing in the morning is the best. Yeah. It's a great feeling. 
Okay. Tips for over-functioners. Practice slowing down and getting in touch with your own emotions. Often we may feel more comfortable taking action as a way to deal with stress, discomfort, or emotions. I'm looking at you, anxiety cleaners, because I know that there's some (laughs) listening. Practice delegating and asking someone to do things or have a specific job. For example, having your partner or child be in charge of feeding the dog. That's a good one, too. Mm -hmm. I think, like... Asking for little tiny things to be done that you just like accumulated. I think especially like women in heteronormative relationships tend to just like take on these little tasks that they don't think about, but they're also easy to delegate. Yeah. Recognize that others may not be as efficient as you or do things the exact same way. Give them grace to learn. I know that we both struggle with this Mm -hmm. one. Absolutely. You struggle with the doing it the way you want it done. And I struggle with how long it takes and like how efficient it is. Yeah. I am so efficient and I get so annoyed when other people aren't as efficient as me. I'm like, I could have done this in half the time yeah. and also probably cleaned the kitchen while I was doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, watch me over function. Yeah, yeah. I am so efficient. You should see me in the morning like making breakfast, cleaning. I can just do, I can do like five things at one time. You're incredible. But like, should I? Right. Not all the time. No, 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 no. Okay recognize that you may need to spend time teaching others how to do things initially, but it will save you time later. Mm-hmm. And prioritize resting, sleeping, and taking breaks preventatively, even if you feel like you don't need it, which I think that last one is something that I've been working on the last yeah. year or so. Those are great tips. Hopefully this is something that we can continue to improve upon. Absolutely. All right. Well, if you have found yourself overstressing, overfunctioning, or underfunctioning, or just plain functioning, we would absolutely <laughs> love to hear it. You can send us an email at lightheartedpodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow along on Instagram at lightheartedpod. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.